0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today.
1: Right here in Florida, they plan to teach students that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, in an attempt to divide and distract our nation with unnecessary debates. And now they attempt to legitimize these unnecessary debates with a proposal that most recently came in of a politically motivated roundtable. Well, I'm here in Florida. And I will tell you, there is no roundtable, no lecture, no invitation. We will accept to debate an undeniable fact. There were no redeeming qualities of slavery.
2: It's imperative that we note that Vice President Kamala Harris is a fraud and a liar, like Whoopi Goldberg on The View and far too many others who aren't honestly addressing this situation. Because why be honest? Why sit down for a debate, Vice President Harris, when you can lie and people who are desperate for lies as opposed to honesty, as opposed to rationality, will sit there like circus seals and just cheer you on? Coward. Kamala Harris is a liar and a fraud and a coward. She doesn't actually have to be. You never had to engage this to begin with. The requirements in Florida, they do sound weird. But as we have now seen in multiple places, this is how they've always written it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. This line that... uh you know, slavery really taught black people skills. No, that's 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 not how it goes. That's not how it goes. That's not how the conversation ever went. The conversation is about how uh, AP—I uh, uh, think they call it African American Studies, Black Studies—because uh, I, I I don't understand the concept of African American to begin with. Never mind that the hyphenization of America it has done us no good. I mean, it's been awful. It is this idea that if you look at somebody and they're black, you assume that they are from one way or another Africa. And that's not true. That's not true. The history of slavery, and then we say it's African-American studies, is to me very awkward. The, st- the, 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 the phrasing is very awkward. Always has been. Of, studying of slavery, extremely important. That I was 49 when I first heard the term Tulsa Race Massacre? Do you think that's normal? I'm a guy who studies. How is that even possible? How is that possible? That is a failure of education. That is a failure on my part. That is failure. Something to be fixed, mind you. History should be taught in America, the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly. I argue if we're going to teach about slavery, we do have to teach about its totality and teach about everybody's part in it, including those people who sold their own brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and children into slavery. The horror is everywhere the buying of slaves, the selling of slaves, the treating of human beings like this. Good Lord. If I can agree with Vice President Harris on anything, it is the recognition that there is nothing redeemable, no redeemable quality of slavery. But the conversation has been about things learned. That the... um, new wording through this uh, Board of Education and through their work uh, in Florida is that those who adapted survived. Those who adapted showed themselves to be useful. And then after sla- slavery, they utilized those skills in their lives to be able to, to make a living and, 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 and you know have a future. That has been manipulated into, oh, oh, oh so slavery uh, taught black people skills, uh, and, and therefore it was good for them. That's not what got said. That never, ever got said. We have the scholars who wrote this, who put this into the Florida curriculum, including scholars who are black, saying this is just what happened. Then you take a look. At the standards before this new look at the standards, and it said the same thing. Then you take a look at the lie that is the Cole Hannah Jones and the 1619 project. The 1619 project is a fraud, and the people who buy into it are fraudsters. No interest in, in history whatsoever. Well, the country really started in 1619 because that's when the first slaves came because this whole nation was founded on slavery. The historians say no. And Nicole Hannah-Jones is not a historian. So uh, she writes, the 1619 Project truly did break some people's minds. Sort of amazing as we head toward the four-year anniversary of its publication. Who could have predicted what we'd see in Florida and across the country? It reveals why the powerful have worked so hard to control narratives. Oh, we've seen the powerful work hard to control narratives. That much is true. But let us discuss the Florida standards. And let us discuss someone by the name of Ed Baptiste. Ed is somebody who worked on the 1619 project. Uh, whether he was uh, his uh, studies were used in there, or he was an advisor. I think he was an advisor to to the 1619 project. And he has a book. The half has never been told. It's got a book. If you look at the Florida curriculum. It says, examine the various duties and trades performed by slaves, agricultural work, painting, carpentry, tailoring, domestic service, blacksmithing, transportation. And then it says, benchmark clarifications, clarification one, instruction includes how slaves develop skills which, in some instances, could be applied for their personal benefit. That's what it says. As the scholars who put together this curriculum explain it. But as Ed Baptiste wrote in his own book in the Chesapeake and Carolinas, enslaved men rose in status by learning trades. They might be blacksmiths or coopers, teamsters or house servants. Women could become servants, cooks or weavers. Such skills could gain one respite from incessant field labor or even given hired out slaves the possibility of keeping some of the earnings. Artisans were even important in Louisiana. Sugar making, for instance, required a class of trained enslaved experts who who supervised the boiling process. They sold for high prices. Whites identified 5% of local slaves sold in New Orleans from 1800 to 1820 with a specific skill. Now, it's super ugly that we're talking about the buying of people. I want to be clear that an advisor... Two Nicole Hannah-Jones in the 1619 Project wrote exactly what is in the Florida curriculum. But Kamala Harris here...
1: And I will tell you, there is no roundtable, no lecture, no invitation. We will accept to debate... An undeniable fact. There were no redeeming qualities of slavery.
2: And no one is saying that in this conversation. No one is saying that in this conversation. No one. The vice president is a liar and a fraud. She's a liar and a fraud. This is who she is. And it's very important that we know how, as rational people, to push back on this conversation because this conversation is obscene. And the conversation is created to bring a full-on attack onto Ron DeSantis. If you ask me if Ron DeSantis has run a good campaign, I already told you no. He's got to figure this out. But while they're impeaching, or not impeaching, indicting Donald Trump for everything and anything under the sun, the objective is to destroy Ron DeSantis with lie and innuendo time and time and time again so you don't vote for anyone. Ron DeSantis on with Harris Faulkner.
3: Well, first of all, those are criticisms in bad faith, Harris, because as you suggest, you know, there's hundreds of pages of mm-hmm. painstaking detail. This was done by black history scholars, most of whom were black themselves. They are not shilling for slavery. They are showing the injustice mm-hmm. of slavery. But that particular passage wasn't saying that slavery was was a benefit. They were saying there was resourcefulness and people acquired skills in spite of slavery, not because mm-hmm. of it. And then they use those when they when when they achieved their freedom. Incidentally, Harris, Kamala Harris endorsed an AP African-American history course, which we in Florida rejected because they had Marxist studies, they had other left-wing things in it, that had the same exact provision. And you've seen that same basic provision have been in other curricula. Nobody ever said anything. And indeed, nobody said anything about this. These guys put this together in a public fashion. There were comments. They were being praised because most states don't even have black history standards. We're one of only 14 or 15 states. When we eliminated critical race theory, people lied then saying we didn't want to teach about the history of African-Americans. In reality, that same bill required us to develop even stronger standards, and that's why this Working group was created so they Did a good job I think it's wrong To demagogue uh, people And I think that a guy like me I'm fighting back against false narratives I do not let people like Harris Or the media take false narratives And run with Governor? it we will stand our Ground and we will speak the truth
2: Now He doesn't do enough of that Because when he talks like that When he's able to turn things like that when he's able To engage like that you're like he sounds good That's the guy I remember from those press conferences in Florida. That's the guy I want. That's his voice. I don't know what they've been doing in this campaign to keep him from using that. But that's his voice. You got to go use it. But don't allow anybody. And the reason I bring this up is not that, you know, you want to vote for DeSantis. Never mind. Leave that be. If you allow these lies to go unchecked because you'd rather have Trump or anybody else, and you don't mind if a lie is told about DeSantis because it probably helps you anyway, um, that's that makes you weird. Don't do that stuff. Push back against the bigotry of people like Whoopi Goldberg and Sonny Hostin on The View. Push back against the bigotry of Joy Reid. And push back against the flat-out lies of the vice president of the United States, who is a coward and is getting cheered for her cowardice. I'm Tony Katz. So Justin Trudeau is getting divorced. I honestly, I I didn't even know who he was... uh, Married to Tony Katz Tony Katz today and, and I had to, I had to look her up Sophie Trudeau and Sophie Trudeau looks uh, AJ you, you will appreciate this AJ's running the board today because it's AJ who introduced me to the show Letter Kenny that that's all you AJ you you did this. Sophie go ahead and do a search for Sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E, Sophie Trudeau, her and and Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, getting a divorce. I have no comments to it. It's a personal thing. I don't get involved, right? Do I like Justin Trudeau? No, but that's just it. Are are, are you looking at it, AJ? Are you? Are you there? She's attractive, yeah. Okay. Does she or does she not look like Marie Fred from Letterkenny?
0: Ooh, right. She's trouble. Yeah,
2: dude, she is trouble. Like, Letter Kenny, like, like, <laughs> oh, oh, broke Wayne's heart. She did, and then he had to watch Misfire. And uh, I I, I watched a lot of Letter Kenny, and then I watched it again. I'm not gonna lie, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. It was a, it it was a good show. Right? Am I am I gonna am I gonna stop watching it? Oh no. Oh no 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 no! I am I am not gonna stop watching. I'm gonna watch it again and again and again. I I don't know where I put my, I don't know where I put my yeses. Where's where's my yeses? Not Harry about Sally yes. I don't know where I put it. I don't know where I put my Letter Kenny yeses. But I had some Letter Kenny Sounders. I don't know where I put it. Doesn't matter. It's creepy how much they look like uh, to me. Um, people are going to get engaged and uh, in, engaged in this and talk all about it. Dude, it's a divorce. It happens all the time to people. I'm sorry it happens all the time, but it does. It happens all the time to people. I'm not, people who get like, who like have comments about that, that's just, that's just super weird. Now, comments about how ridiculous Neil deGrasse Tyson is? Oh, I've got that. The astrophysicist thinking he knows something
0: uh, about, Men and women and transgender. My point is, apparently, the XXXY chromosomes are insufficient. Because when we wake up in the morning, we exaggerate whatever feature we want to portray the gender of our choice. Mm. Either the one you're assigned, the one you choose to be, whatever it is. And so now, here, so... So now just to to, to tie a bow on this, I say to you, somewhere I read, somewhere, I I think I read that the United States was a land where we have the pursuit of happiness. Yes. Suppose no matter my chromosomes, today I feel 80% female, 20% male. I'm gonna gonna put on makeup. I'm gonna do that. Um, Tomorrow I might feel 80% male. I'll remove the makeup and I'll wear a muscle shirt. Why do you care?
2: That's a great question. Uh, First, uh, makeup does not a woman make. And muscles does not a man make. But it's good to know you're a scientist. Uh, Secondly, the caring comes from whether or not we should allow children to mutilate themselves. And third, uh, the caring comes from the recognition of what is real. Of course people can live their lives the way they see fit. If they were just doing that, this wouldn't be an argument. But they want to push it on children. There's going to be a fight. And then they want me to use different terminology, specific pronouns to match their, in your words, dress up. I won't do that. That's why I care. I don't care because somebody wants to do X, I care that they want me to do Y. That's what I care about. Speaking of the XXXY chromosomes, you can do X, just leave me alone with my Y. Don't tell me I have to do. Don't tell me I have to say. Don't tell me I can't say. Don't tell me I have to accept. Why do I care? What an unscientific thing to say. But you know, it's it's Neil deGrasse Tyson. If it If it makes him sound good, he'll say it. What does not sound good is what's going on with the Indianapolis Colts. That drama continues. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Drama does not only exist in D.C. It exists in Westfield, where the Colts are in training camp. Will Jonathan Taylor be the running back? I don't know. Uh, Will there be a contract dispute? Is it possible he'll hold out? Is there any possibility of a trade? And then you've got the backup, Zach Moss, breaking his arm. Certainly feel for him. hope he's better. You've got running backs there, whether it's Deion Jackson or Evan Hall or the name of all names, Jake Funk. Because you can just picture Lucas Oil Stadium chanting, We want the funk. It's going to be so good. But the Colts decide the answer is the University of Indianapolis and they signed Toriano Clinton Tony Katz good to be with you JMV joins us right now from 9351075 the fan he is the voice of sports in Indiana before we get to Clinton joining the the Colts uh which is a crazy story let's talk about where we are with Jonathan Taylor with uh, the owner, Jim Irsay, with the general manager, who's been outrageously silent on this, uh, uh, Chris Ballard. Um, is everybody feeling better, like, okay, we can get through one more year, or is this looking worse than it was just a week ago?
4: No, I don't think there's been any change, Tony, whatsoever. I still think Jonathan Taylor is in the same spot as he was. I think his representation in the same spot. No doubt the Colts are in their same spot right now, so I don't think there's been a change now. You know, as far as you know this, with with negotiations of any kind, you know, deadlines will spur action. I don't know in this case, you know, who is going to bend first, but I do know who has the opportunity to sit there with their arms crossed the longest and say, hey, you're going to have to come to us, and that's the Colts. Because, frankly, Jonathan Taylor, if he wants to get paid this year, final year of his contract, he's going to have to play. That's what's going to have to happen here. I mean, unless his agent, which I would doubt right now, has some, you know, incredible, diabolical, genius plan, which, again, I doubt right now, at some point he is going to have to pay or play to get paid. And if he doesn't, if he wants to sit out, then he's going to lose that money and then he's going to be suspect for the future of his play on the field and a contract. So I just don't see an alternative here, ultimately, regardless of how his effect is on the team He's going to have to some point, he's going to have to get out there and he's going to have to play to get paid.
2: Do we have a feeling yet uh, of whether his agent, same agent for uh, Shaquille Leonard who got Shaquille Leonard uh, paid, an agent for UFC fighters, gets them paid. Um, Has the agent really led him down the wrong path? Is he trying to make a statement using Jonathan Taylor as his guinea pig or is Jonathan bought into this is he somebody who who believes uh the procedure that they're utilizing is accurate
4: well i mean it it depends on i guess what he's explained to him i mean if his agent has told jonathan taylor at some point here's what you're going to do i mean you're going to pretty much ostracize yourself uh from the colts and the fan base right here you're up on the side of lucas oil stadium they're probably going to want to run over there and take that poster down at some point when they used to universally love respect, want to see you, really want to hear from you. I mean, if that was his plan, then I I guess he succeeded in that. I I, I get it. I do. I I know the negotiations are hardcore, but this right now is cut and dry. And I'm looking down this path that we're talking about, Tony, as to what might be the end game, the end result of where he is going. But it does seem like that in, in terms of a fork in the road, that he's chosen the wrong direction here because everything has gone haywire. Granted, for the Colts, it's not great either. Zach Moss breaks his arm, you know, right after all this stuff starts. That's not great. But at the same time, you look at Jonathan Taylor right now. I mean, everything that he was, he is not right now for Colts fans. And that could not have been a high priority on his representations list. I would doubt.
2: Talking to JMV from ninety three five one zero seven five, the fan, the voice of sports in Indiana. Uh, Dion Jackson is a guy who who can run the ball. I I can't tell you I know much about Evan Hall. As I said, I want Jake Funk to play just so I can hear Lucas Oil scream. We want the Funk. That's that's it. That is the the uh, the only reason I want it. Although the guy may be good, and I don't know anything about him. The signing of Toriano Clinton. You're talking about a guy who at UND had himself a fantastic uh, career, 4,538 rushing yards, yards, the most ever by a member of that Greyhound uh, team. Uh, His yards per rush, 7.7, rushing touchdowns, 48, total touchdowns, 55, and his kickoff return average was 30.9 yards. Look, uh, playing at UND is different than playing in the NFL. This is the answer? I'm not saying it isn't. I love the idea of it. This guy puts on a Colts uniform and plays. People are going to go nuts. This is the answer?
4: No, this is a body added to camp, and it's a hell of a story, Tony. It is. I mean, you alluded to that. Great story. You indie kid. Works his tail off. Sets all types of records down there. It is a great story, but it is not near a solution. And that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for a solution right here. That's, that's a camp body right now, and maybe, you know, he performs well enough to, to stick with a team and a practice squad mold kind of deal. Uh, but you mentioned Hall, and you mentioned Jackson. We've seen a game of a spark of Deion Jackson. You know, what you're not getting with Evan Hall, you have no idea. You've got some camp bodies here. That's what you have with Jonathan Taylor. And this is for Anthony Richardson, Tony. This is for Anthony Richardson and his growth as quarterback of this team. You have a guy that you have seen at the highest of levels. That's why at some point this all has to come around and be together because this is very unlike every other NFL running back situation is that one side needs the other equally. It's just that one side in terms of the Colts hold all the cards to what is ultimately going to take place for their running back. But, no, it's funny. And that's what drives me nuts because both sides could see, you know what, we need one another here unlike any other running back position and their team in the NFL. But right now what we're going to do, well, early on the week, last weekend, we're going to squabble over social media like we're back in junior high. And then what we're going to do is we're going to hold out and we know that we're the best fit for one another right here, but we just can't figure out the terms in which we ultimately are going to be the best fit which is absolutely silly. You know what you're getting with Jonathan Taylor. You have no idea what you're getting with anybody else. And that, to me, is what makes the most sense. So you would be in favor. Hold on a second.
2: You're in favor of a re-signing of Jonathan Taylor right now. Give him a new deal. Maybe you don't get as much as you want, but you would be in favor of that, of giving him a bigger paycheck, just not the humdinger paycheck.
4: No, I'm in favor of this. I'm in favor of him coming back, playing out here, because that's just what you have to do, Tony, at that position, playing out that year, and then if he plays well, he gets a raise. It's not going to be ultimately what he wants because he's not going to get that. But it's going to be the most favorable opportunity that he is going to have out there. And if it's not here, it may be someplace else. But he is going to have to play at some point. The Colts have the advantage, but both sides need one another. No, you play out your contract, you go out there and play, and then you play well enough to where Jim Mercy wants to give you more, or where somebody else wants to give you more. That, to me, is your only choice right now, but again, both sides need one another. The Colts just have this advantage in negotiations.
2: What are the odds of a trade?
4: Well, I would say normally, well, the owner has said, no way, no how. This is my This Yeah, but that's idea. what he said. What are the I odds? Know. I, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it just depends. I guess it depends on the overall effect that they believe that he is having on their team. It, here's, I'll give you a great example. You know, guys will say in camp, this doesn't affect me whatsoever. But, Tony, they get sick and tired of getting peppered with these questions about a teammate and the same thing over and over again. So it does have an effect on the team. I wouldn't expect it. Sitting here right now, I think Jim Marce will stand firm, and he will not trade him. And I think that they know that what can Jonathan Taylor do here but play. Le'Veon Bell tested this years ago, didn't get paid. You know what? Le'Veon Bell never made that money back. The same situation holds true for Jonathan Taylor right here. He's just going to have to, at some point, decide to get out there and play. Because, again, the Colts hold the advantage. That's exactly what I expect to see because this is different than Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, right. you know, he was getting a new deal. This this is a deal that's already in place right here. And I don't think Jim Mercer is going to budge on a trade. I don't so, think he's going to budge on the situation around here. I think Jonathan Taylor plays.
2: Before I let you go, in 60 seconds or less, how does this reflect on Chris Ballard, the GM? <laughs>
4: well, I mean, he's the reason why they're in this situation right now. All right? Three years ago, they traded up to get Jonathan Taylor, Tony. It was signed off by Jim Ursay. Jim Ursay said, hey, go up and get your guy. You know, this is what you believe in. Get up and do it. And I'm very excited about it. And then, so three years later, you're not going to give him another contract. You're just going to be done with him like that. What it does is magnifies to me what has been a, an inaccurate build by the general manager. I mean, it just has. I mean, you, what you've done is you've extended other positions that are of, of equal or maybe even less of value around the NFL, you know, left guard, uh, linebacker. You put value into that, but right. you don't. in Jonathan Taylor, this just magnifies the faulty build that this team has been on for the past six years.
2: JMV, I appreciate you, the voice of sports in Indiana. Uh, I I am always kind of not thrilled. Thrilled is, is not it. Uh, he's kind of relentless about why isn't anybody saying that Chris Ballard is to blame for everything here? Because I think that if we were to extrapolate the argument out about Jonathan Taylor and his lawyer and the wanting more money and, and, and the whole thing, is there a possibility? I'm not saying that it definitely would have happened this way, but a possibility that if you had a general manager who was more in touch with the players, you don't have these kinds of, well, revolts, if you will. Jonathan Smith, Jonathan Smith, Jonathan Taylor has a, a year on his contract. You got to play it. You don't have the leverage as you've seen it from the league. You decided to get loud because you thought there might be a value uh, to it. Look, I, I don't know if his agent is the best, but he's not a fool. He must have thought there was some value. Maybe you could get a groundswell of, uh, of people in your favor. Maybe you could start applying pressure. And why would the Colts want the pressure? And then, and then they'd fold this and they do that. But that's based on fantasy. You know, Sun Tzu was very, very clear. Uh, every war is fought before it's begun. So as a, as a matter of just being a tactician, John Lynn Taylor's uh, agent failed. As a matter of being a Sun Tzu tactician, this was not the strategy you wanted to go with. But now take a look at the Colts side. Okay, you're not going to have to give up any dollars. This guy walked himself into a corner, talked himself into a corner. Lord only knows what the whole back injury thing was Uh, from every side. He's going to have to play. I think JMV is right about that. But how much of this could have been avoided if you had a general manager who actually understood what was going on with his team? How much of this could you have eliminated if you had a general manager who knew what was happening and was working aggressively to prevent those things from happening? I think there is a real big story here about leadership and about management and about skill sets and professionalism. Look, if you ask me if I like Chris Ballard, I don't like Chris Ballard, and that comes from a political side because he has been involved in a lot of progressive squawking, and you don't know if there's any basis to it. He wants to talk about Black Lives Matter. He wants to talk about this, that, and the other. Dear Lord, man, he wants to talk about guns. You think Chris Ballard is really prepared for a detailed analysis, a detailed analytical conversation about firearms? He He's prepared for an emotional conversation about firearms? i'll do it right now i'll do it right now you want to call in you want to you want to sit down and talk camera or no camera i'm ready i don't think he is now i can be proven wrong on that i don't think he is because as i've seen with too many guys in sports whether they're on on the the, the side of on the team or or, or discussing it um they 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 certainly like to be aggressive on the progressivism because they like to be where the player is. You see this with Popovich in the NBA and Kerr in the NBA. Um, but I don't know how much they engage in the legitimate debate with people who might disagree with them. And certainly, as I've said before, I don't think there's any ability for these guys in the leagues to really speak out. Someone going to say, oh, man, LeBron, you're absolutely wrong that going to happen? LeBron tries to destroy Drew Brees because he doesn't think it's right to kneel for the national anthem. You don't think there's another NBA player who's like, whoa, 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 Drew Brees has got a point? What are you talking about? Or were they all afraid? I think they were all uh, afraid because I don't think that honest conversations take place. But I do think that in order to be a good leader, in order to engage good management, being two different things, of course, leadership and management, you have to know where people are. You have to be Understanding, you have to be, uh, when I say understanding, understanding where they may be coming from. So you got to be down there with them. You got to have your finger on things. You got to be checking in with people. And that's exactly what I don't think Chris Ballard does. I could be told I'm wrong. But I wonder if that has anything to do with this Jonathan Taylor blow-up, if this could have been stopped before it was started. But I do like when JMV reminds us, exactly the team that Chris Ballard put together here because it is Chris Ballard's team and it's a mess well it's it's certainly been a mess doesn't look like it's going any cleaner in the future I'm Tony Katz there's a coffee company in the UK that has put out an advertisement for their coffee. That shows a woman who had top surgery to remove her breasts. So now she's a man in cartoon form drinking a cup of coffee. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of coffee, the first thing I think of is bodily mutilation. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833 468 Got Tony. Costa, C-O-S-T-A. Costa Coffee there's now a hashtag boycott Costa Coffee that started Monday and Tuesday uh, cuz it's it's crazy it is literally on their on their on their building on their trucks it's why this is what we're glorifying this is what we're cr- saying hey this is normal it's fine it's it's not it's not fine it's super super weird and the people glorifying this glorifying mutilation you're weird ugly people and you deserve the derision you get you're you're not on the right side of history as you you love to say that ridiculous line you're on the side of abusing children if adults want to do this that's fine although i don't think we should be you know glorifying it but you are okay with kids doing this as a matter of fact you want to push kids into it uh it's why they call you groomer and it's why you are despicable people are right to be disgusted Weird move, coffee brand. Best of luck with your financial future. I'm Tony Katz.